Joshua in chapter 24. Joshua in chapter 24. And we, Lord willing, tonight will complete our journey through the book of Joshua. We started, I believe it was the middle of October, um, beginning of November last year. We started going just through the book of Joshua, sometimes a few verses, sometimes a couple chapters as we went through just the stories of how God um, gave His people and their inheritance, how God fulfilled the promises to His people that He had given hundreds of years before to Abraham and to Isaac and how God took this small nation that He had, that was a slave people that He had brought with a strong hand out of Egypt and how He brought them across the wilderness and provided for them each and every step of the way. And now we, when we find them at the beginning of Joshua, they were at the brink of the promised land. They were there. They were ready to go in. And how we've seen God provide each step of the way. God worked the miracles where they needed to be worked. How they crossed the Jordan River. How the walls of Jericho fell down. And how God even with... Um, Moses passing off the scene and a new leader taking over. God was still just as powerful, just as able to do what God wanted them to do. God was able to provide for them exactly the same way through Joshua as he had been with Moses. So we're going to be, now we're at the end of Joshua's life. When we started the book of Joshua, Moses had just passed off the scene. While Joshua was not a young man, he was a young leader. He was, he was new in command of Israel. So there was some of the nerves that he would have had. There was some of the, um, just the trepidation that he was stepping into Moses' shoes. And now we get to the end of the book of Joshua. And now it's Joshua's turn. Just like he had heard Moses before they were getting ready to go into the promised land, Moses talking to Israel and commanding him and saying, this is what God wants you to do. Just obey God. You will get to inherit the promised land. You will get to experience the wonderful workings of God. And Joshua had been there knowing that it was going to be him who was going to be responsible to lead the people forward. And now at the end of the book of Joshua... It's Joshua standing there. And he's telling these people, some of them who never made, might have met Moses because they had been born in the land. Some of them who remembered Moses, but this was years ago. And he's telling them and commanding them very much the same way that Moses, giving them some of the same commands. But let's begin reading Joshua 24, verse number 1, and we'll read through the chapter and see what, see what the Bible has to say, and then, Lord willing, we will learn what God has for us tonight. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham, notice God is the subject here, and I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac, 
And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And I gave unto Esau, Mount Seir, to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also, and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt, according to that which I did among them. And afterward I brought you out, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And ye came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that ye might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore, he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And ye went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. And the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites. But not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do you eat. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for He is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for He is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if ye forsake the Lord. And serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart Unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua. The Lord our God will we serve. And his voice will we obey. 
So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man unto his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath, Sirah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that out overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became an inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in a hill that pertained to Phinehas' son, which was given him in Mount Ephraim. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for how you're unchanging, Lord. I just pray tonight that you would give me clarity to communicate your word, that we could learn what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you look up last speeches or um, last words, in this world there is full, everybody, it seems, wants to give their final speech. I remember, um, I'm sure it was all over the news a couple years ago when Kobe Bryant retired from the NBA. He was giving his final speech and his speech was full of thank yous to the fans and full of how wonderful it had been on his accomplishments. I also I enjoy reading some about history and um, there's uh, one blog I read sometimes, and they um, had a bunch of different famous people. Some were actors, some were politicians, some were generals. And had gone through and pulled out their, their final words, the words that, the, the last recorded words before they had died. And some of them, some of these last words showed how empty their lives really were. How they had lived their life, and they got to the end of it. Well, it was a fun life to live. What next? Or some of it was a charge. Most people will tell, as they're saying their last words, they may say something about how good their life has been, how thankful they are for their life, or how terrible it was, or a challenge to move forward. You know, we've gotten this far, we need to move forward. If you've read any of military history, there's oftentimes, there's phrases that people will say, someone who is dying on a battlefield, a commander will tell his soldiers, we need to take that hill, or we need to move forward. And Joshua, he was giving his last speech, we might say. This was the last time that he was going to have all Israel together. He called. He knew he was dying. He knew he was at the point to where this was going to be the last time he got to speak to the children of Israel. He had been their leader. He had led them into the promised land. He had seen God work all these miracles. He had seen God's promises come 
and be fulfilled. He had seen the mighty workings of God. He had experienced, and we've, if you've been with us through the series, how he had seen the walls of Jericho fall down. He had seen the Jordan River part in his life as he was following and as he was serving God. He had seen miracle after miracle. And he knew that the power of God was there. And he knew that he wanted the people, his nation, those that came after him, to continue to enjoy the land that God had given them. He also knew how holy God was. He knew that God would judge their sin. If you were here with us last week, Joshua was warning the people, you have to guard your love for God. Because if you don't, you're going to begin to slip into apostasy. You're going to begin to go where God doesn't want you to go. You're going to begin to lose your heart for God if you do not guard your heart and stay focused on who God is. And so Joshua has this one last time. He calls all Israel to Shechem. All right, now, remember where Shechem was. This was, if we go back to Joshua chapter 8, this was where Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim were. Where the, remember the two mountains where Israel, half of Israel is supposed to go on the one mountain and half of Israel is supposed to go on the other and they were supposed to read through the entire law of God, both the blessings and the cursings and they were to go through. Also at Shechem was remember where Joshua had taken the great stones and plastered them and written the whole law of God in a public place where everyone could come and read it. And this is where Joshua, he calls all Israel to come to this place. A place that Israel knew was a place where they were to hear God's word. It was a place where they had met with God. And they came and they presented themselves before God. Now, the, um, what the term presenting themselves before God, most of the time in the Bible when it is used, it is they're coming for the transition of leadership. That in, when it talks about Moses or, and Joshua presented themselves before God at the, in, back in Deuteronomy, that's where Joshua was going to be taking over the leadership. And it was going to be a time where Joshua knew this is my last time, and I'm passing off the scene. But also the idea of where they came and they presented themselves before God was the idea of a servant coming and standing before his master saying, I am ready for your orders. I am ready to hear what you have to say. And all Israel is coming together, and they're coming before the Lord with one heart. They're coming together and saying, we are ready to do what God has told us to do. They come and they present themselves before God at Joshua's request. And Joshua has called this meeting and he is wanting to give them warnings. And he is wanting to challenge them. Like he did back in chapter 23 in a previous one to guard their love for God. But he had already said that. What else could Israel possibly need to hear? They had heard God's word read. At Mount Ebal, Mount Gerizim before. Why did they need to hear something again? Well, Joshua, in obedience to God, because he says in verse number 2, Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So Joshua is in obedience to God here. He's calling the people under the, um, the control and under the authority of God is calling them together and saying, I have a final charge for you. I have, there's something you need to hear. There's something you need to remember. 
And so he calls all Israel together. And does he give them, give them just, well, it'd be a good idea to do this. It'd be a good idea. What he first starts with is a history lesson. How many like it when um, you show up and you begin, someone's going to give you some instructions and they say, well, all the way back here, and they begin to start all the way back at this beginning and tell this whole story before they ever get to you and tell you what you wanted to hear. It's like, just tell me what I need to hear. What's with, what's with all the background? There was a, a very important reason why Joshua was doing this. He was giving Israel something they already knew. They already knew their history. But they needed to be reminded of it. And Joshua first reminds them that their people, their ancestors, hadn't always served God. They hadn't always been worshiping Jehovah. He reminds them that your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood. The other side of um, the Euphrates River back in Mesopotamia where God had called Abraham from. He goes all the way back to the call of Abraham. And says, Abraham, even Abraham and his fathers, they served idols. They didn't serve Jehovah until God came and he called them. We could go to the book of Genesis and how God came and told Abraham, you need to leave the place of your kindred, the place of your people, and you need to go to the land that I command thee of. And what did Abraham do? He obeyed. We know the stories. We know what the Bible says. That's simply what Abraham did. In faith, he obeyed God. And as soon as Abraham left the land where he had grown and crossed that river and began to um, follow Jehovah God, Abraham wasn't serving the gods of that land anymore. He began to build altars to Jehovah. We could go through the book of Genesis. And everywhere Abraham went, once he left his homeland except for Egypt... Abraham was building altars to God and he was worshiping God. And in fact, Abraham was called the friend of God. And Joshua is reminding Israel. He's taking them back hundreds and hundreds of years. And then he said, he was reminding them, it's God that took Abraham. And began the process of building from Abraham the nation that they were today. And as their forefathers, as Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, began to simply obey God, begin to follow God day after day and serve God, God began that process of making Israel that nation. First, He gave Abraham Isaac. And then He gave unto in the verses, Joshua just begins to go through this, the history that they all knew. Isaac, and unto Isaac was Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and his family went down into Egypt where they were oppressed. Where they became, they were forced into being slaves. And then Joshua begins to remind them in verse number 5 that it was God who sent Moses and Aaron. And it was God who had plagued Egypt and how God had done all these mighty works. Now this wasn't anything new to Israel. Nor is this anything new to us. I'm not trying just to labor on points that we all know very well. 
But there was a reason Joshua was doing this. He begins to remind the people that it was God who had done everything that had brought him to the point where it was. It was God's work that had brought Moses and Aaron to Egypt. It was God's work that had plagued Egypt and delivered them out of the hand of Egypt. And then they got to the Red Sea. And they were trapped by Israel's army. Verse number 6 says, And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your father with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, He put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye have dwelt in the wilderness a long season. Joshua is reminding them, you came to the Red Sea where it was impossible to move forward. But God was there. And God gave victory. God um, delivered the Egypt, um, you out of the hands of the Egyptians and um, killed the entire Egyptian army. And then once they were on the other side of the Red Sea, Joshua rehearses how God provided for them the entire 40... 40 plus years that they were in the wilderness. They had all the food they needed to eat. They had all the water they needed to drink. God provided the water from the rocks. God, and when enemies came against them, on the east side of Jordan, even the Amorite kings with great armies, it was God once again. All of this, the subject is God is doing this. Israel, God is moving as Israel is serving God. God is giving victory. God is giving protection. God is giving guidance. He gave them victory over Og and the, the, the kings that were there with their mighty armies. Over Balaam and um, Balak with Moab who tried to curse Israel and bring um, God's disfavor upon them. And God still delivered them out of their hands. And then Joshua begins to remind them of what they had experienced. Most of that, what had happened in the wilderness, what had happened with, the, um, with um, Moses and what happened with Abraham, to them that was history. That was something that happened in the past. They knew of it, but they hadn't experienced it themselves. Then Joshua begins to remind them how it was God who had brought them through Jordan River, and how he had parted and stacked up the waters. How when they faced Jericho, and Jericho, Jericho came and fought against them, it was God who had delivered them. Each of the battles they had fought, it was God, in fact, in verse number 12, once again, God is the subject here, and I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow, and I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwelt in them of the vineyards and the and olive yards which ye planted not, do you eat. Joshua is reminding them, every good thing you have today, the rest in the land that you have, the cities, the bountiful fields that are already planted, the vineyards that are already planted, everything that you are enjoying right now, God has given you. God has, God has kept His Word. Every good thing that He has promised, He has given you. He's re just reminding them with this history lesson of how good God is. How many wonderful things that they are enjoying because of the blessings of God.
God had done so many wonderful things for Israel. Then Joshua comes to verse number 14. Because God has done all these wonderful things, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He's saying because of God has done so many wonderful things for you, just serve the Lord. It says, fear the Lord. Let God be the one who controls what you're, what you're doing. Don't let the things of the land, don't let the um, influence that, don't let provisions. You know, how are we going to provide for ourselves? That's not what you should be fearing. You should be having your whole attention focused on God because God has brought you where you are. God is the one who has given you the victory. God is the one who has provided for you every step of the way. Fear God. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. You say, serve God with your whole heart. Serve God completely. Serve God faithfully. Don't stop in sincerity and in truth. Just serve God because He is everything that you need. They were to fear God when they remembered what He had done for them. Then Joshua says, fear the God and serve Him. Not only are you to fear God and serve Him in sincerity and truth, but several times throughout this passage, Joshua tells them, and put away the gods that are among you. Put away the gods that are among you. It is very possible that even though just maybe ten years before, Israel was willing to go to war with their own people over the altar of Ed, Remember that? In Joshua chapter 22, how Israel, when the two and a half tribes on the east side of Jordan built the altar, I don't think I need to go into that. They, get, they, went, they were ready to go to war over that. And if you, but because of the pockets of the Canaanites that were still in the land, it's very possible that already some of the influences were beginning to creep in. Already some of the intermarrying was beginning to take place. That's possible. Now, it doesn't say that. Another possibility of it is what Joshua was simply telling his people. Listen, there's still more work to do. There's still that influence of those false idols in the land and you need to completely rid it, um, completely get it out of your land. Whatever, either way, Joshua is telling and commanding these people, if you are going to serve God, even though I'm passing off the scene, I'm not going to be here to lead you anymore. Remember, Joshua's giving his final charge. He's giving that final speech, that final encouragement, and he's telling them, remember what God has done. Just look at your history. Look at where you are today and see what God has done. And that should make you serve God. But if you are going to serve God... There has to be a clearing out of your life. There, you cannot serve God in anything else. You cannot serve God in the gods of this land. And then if we could go down, he says, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. Go down to verse number 23. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your hearts unto the Lord God of Israel. 
The word incline there has, the, has this idea. This is the literal meaning of it. Is the idea of guiding an animal with reins. With taking an animal's head and put, turning it into the road. And that's what Israel was... Remember in 23, he was telling them, you need to guard your love for God and make sure your heart stays true, make sure your heart stays right to God. He's reminding them of this, of this exact same thing. That you need to take your heart and you need to make sure it, you turn it, make sure you keep it, make sure... You, how many have ever tried to go horseback riding? The horse is going to go this way a little bit and then the horse is going to go that way a little bit and the horse is going to go that way a little bit, especially if you don't keep a rein on it, if you don't... Make sure you are the one controlling that horse. That horse can take you wherever the horse wants to go. How many have seen um, or heard of a little kid who wasn't big enough to control a horse and the horse just began to go its own way and there was nothing that kid could do to stop it? You know, our heart's like that. It just wants to go wherever it wants to go. And Joshua knew that. Joshua knew that the people of Israel, the influence that were still in the land from the Canaanites, that their hearts, if they weren't careful, if they didn't remember who God was and where God had brought them, if they didn't take their lives and clear out the things that were in them, the false idols that maybe had already begun to creep in, and they didn't take their hearts and rein it in and guide it in the way that God would have it to go. Joshua knew that the next generation would not be serving God. And that Joshua was here. Joshua was here, was teaching them where the word of God was plainly written in Shechem. Where, where they had come to hear the word of God. Because he wanted Israel to continue serving God. He wanted his people to have a legacy to be who God wanted them to be. To continue to enjoy the blessings God had for them. And he knew if that was going to happen, if they were going to be able to have the next generation serve God, it was going to have to be their personal responsibility to maintain their walk with God. Maintain their passion for God. And he tells them in verse number 15. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. Joshua. And then as he begins speaking with the people of Israel. They're saying No. We know who God is. We know it's God who has brought us here. And we are going to serve the Lord. And so Joshua sets up a monument. The Bible says he sets up a great stone there in Shechem. Where they would, as they came yearly to hear the word of God read, they would be reminded, we are serving God. We have chosen to serve God. Joshua knew that if they remembered who God was, if they remembered the power of God, that the allure of the false gods in the land in the land wouldn't be as strong. If they spent their time remembering it was God who had brought them where they were, it was God who had given them the victory, it wasn't by their might. Remember, God just said that. 
It, was, it wasn't by their sword. It wasn't by their might. God had given them the victory. God had given them cities they hadn't even built. And he's saying, Joshua is trying to, as he is leaving, he's trying to instill in his people this. You have to serve God. That's, that's the theme, really the, one of the themes of the book of Joshua, is living, enjoying the blessings of God. In the book of, in the, in the, um, early in the Pentateuch, in Numbers, as we watch Israel wandering in the wilderness, just wandering in circles. Why were they doing that? It was their unbelief, right? At Kadesh Barnea, where God had said, it's time to go in the land, they say, we can't do it. The giants are too big. We can't conquer this. This cannot happen. And God said, fine. Your kids will enjoy the land. Your kids will get to experience the blessings of God. And as Joshua is leaving, here's what he's saying. Choose to serve God. You must serve God. Well, how could Israel? How could Israel continue to serve God? How could, as even without their leader Joshua, and the next generations that were coming, Israel needed to be able to serve God. You and I need to be able to serve God today. And Joshua did three things for him. He gave him a history lesson. Well, do we need to come to church to get a history lesson? Well, we come to church and we read what God has done in the past. So we can remember who God is. You know that most of, in the book of in the books that Paul writes in the New Testament, he's saying, or the book of Acts, we can see what God has done in His church. And we can remember, this is what God has done. God is still just as mighty today as He was back then. That God is the one who started His church. And God is the one who's going to build His church. And we can trust God in that. And you know, when we take the time to stop and go back to the Word of God, and remember what God has done, and remember who God is, and it's the fact that the only reason why we are here today, the only reason why we are saved, is because of what God has done, that it's God's power that has brought us to where we are today, that if our lives are not what they used to be, if our lives have been changed, it is because of the power of God, it is because of the who God is and how He has changed our life, it is not because of how mighty we are, or how good we are. He says, you need to take the time to remember who God is. And when you take the time to remember who God is, those that things that should allure you, you're going to put them out of your life. He says, take time, remember who God is, and then those things that would come between you and God, put them out of your life. When um, the word actually there that says, put away those false gods, has this idea as well. Behead it. Chop it off. Kill it. Get it out. Not, don't let it stick. No, leave no doubt about it. Joshua is telling his people, if you are going to serve God because God is mighty, you can't serve any other gods. There, he, that's why he said, choose you this day who you will serve. Because you are going to serve something. You can serve yourself. You can serve the world that is around you, or you can serve God. And Joshua was telling them, you need to choose who you're going to serve. Remember, it's God who's brought you here, and if you're going to serve God, the things of this world must be put out of your life. 
completely. And then you must faithfully, continually, daily incline your heart to serve God. That our heart is wicked. It is deceitful. My heart wants to go wherever it, it, it's wicked leanings wants to go. But what needs to happen is I need to remember it's God who has brought me here. And I, the things that my heart desires, I need to put them out of my life. And instead, I need to take the Word of God and allow the Word of God to move my heart, incline my heart in the way that God would have it to go. Israel, if they had continued to do this, would have continued to serve God. Every time that they got their heart, that they began to put the gods out of their life and begin to come and seek God and incline their hearts to God, God was there for them. Even in the book of Judges, remember, we've been, if you've been in Sunday school with just Samson, was this morning, and how Israel was under oppression of the Philistines. That wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Israel was supposed to be enjoying the land God had given them. And when you go into the book of Judges, just a few generations after the book of Joshua, you have the people oppressing God's people. No longer is Israel standing saying, we serve a God and other nations are bowing before them. It's God's people who are under oppression. Why? Because they stopped inclining their hearts to God. They stopped fearing God. They stopped serving God. And in his last speech, this is what Joshua is just simply telling them. You need to serve God. And he set up a stone. He set up something to remind them. You've promised to serve God. But no promise, no stone was going to make Israel serve God. It could remind them to serve God. But what had to happen if they were going to serve God? It wasn't this stone that was going to come over and beat them over the head and make them serve God. They made a promise to God, yes. It could keep them, it could remind them of what they had to do. But if they were going to continue to serve God, it wasn't going to be because a stone was there. It wasn't going to be because Joshua was there or not there. What it was going to be, if Israel or if you and I is going to serve God, if we are going to continue to press forward and do what God would have for us to do, if we are going to continue to enjoy the victorious Christian life, have the victory that God designs us, that God's Word tells us we can have, it's going to have to be as we personally use what God has given us, Use the Word of God. Show up to church and hear what God has set up in our lives. What God has set up in this time to communicate His Word as we follow God. We take the time to remember who God is. We put those things out of our lives that would come in between us and God. And daily, every day, we use the Word of God, not our feelings. I just feel like I'm right with God today. No, that is not it at all. Is our life in line with the Word of God? Have we put all the gods out of our life? And are we serving God? Are we inclining 
our hearts to God. God has given us every good gift, every perfect gift is from God. Serve Him. I need to serve God each and every day. You need to serve God each and every day. God has already spoken. We don't need some new book. We don't need some new... Well, this program just really helps me. What it needs to be is, God has already given us His law. God has already given us what He says on every thing. Society, culture doesn't change it. It's what God's law says. What God's Word says. Remember who God is. Bring our life into line with God. And we will be able to continue to enjoy the blessings of God. We will be able to continue to experience the victory that God has for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before you. And I thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for our journey through the book of Joshua. As we have seen how you worked back then. But Lord, we know that you can still work today. And I just pray that as we move forward that we would just seek to serve you each and every day, that we would do what you have commanded us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. We'll just take a moment before we um, end. If you need to pray there in your seat, just take a moment.